0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can also find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And I have a very special guest with us. I'm going to just jump right into it. His name is Gene. He's with Walter's Hot Dogs. This is our second episode together. I also have met Gene. I also will be going to his location here sometime soon to try. Everyone who goes there tells me how great your hot dogs are, so they're sad. And yes, I say hot dogs <laughs> with somewhat of a speech impediment. So, um, Gene, how are you doing today?
1: Justin, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back on. I'm I'm excited for uh, part two of our conversation.
0: And. Um, you know, you're located then basically in the New York area, in the New York City area. Um, Mamaronek, I believe. Uh, maybe I pronounced it a little bit wrong. I can never get names right. Um, so no, even you, if I can't you got close. It. But, you know, we've talked a little bit about it. We've done the first episode, okay? But will you briefly, let's do like a five-minute brief thing. Let's talk a little bit again and remind our audience about the history of Walter's Hot Dogs. I recommend everyone go back to listen to part one. But this one's going to be on fire. How do I know? We did this event on May 7th in New York City. And it was in for Gorilla Brave and uniting a lot of the the entrepreneurs that I work with, as well as a lot of the entrepreneurs that are on this podcast, and trying to build a networking event. Gene was there. It was a phenomenal event. I mean, we, we were there for five hours. And I think everyone had a good time. So... Gene, you're quite an incredible entrepreneur and, you know, third generation coming in to dominate a company, maybe even more generation than that, I'm not quite sure. But um, talk to me about Walter's Hot Dogs. Talk to me about your literally 100-year history. Let's let's talk all about it and, and give us a quick uh, download.
1: Absolutely. So first off, J- Justin, thanks for the kind words because that event, it meant so much to be able to meet you and, and some other amazing people that day. Uh, in New York City. So um, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And um, I'm part of the third and fourth generation of Walters Hot Dogs. So uh, as a brand, we are the second oldest hot dog brand out of New York. Uh, Nathan started in 1916. We started in 1919. It was started by my great grandfather, Walter Warrington. Um, He came from Italy into Ellis Island in the late 1890s. At a pretty young age, he had an entrepreneurial mindset. He started a couple of uh, businesses and he really wanted to get into the food service industry. Uh, Hot dogs were a very inexpensive and, and, you know, important food item at the time in the early 1900s, Uh, very cheap, um, right, affordable, um, as they still are today. So he wanted to come up with a recipe that was like no other hot dog, Uh, the cooking methods like no other hot dog. And really, we've carried on that tradition 104 years later, the same type of recipe, the same cooking style and preparation that was intended over 100 years ago for you to enjoy. Uh, we still do today through our two restaurants, one in Mameranick, New York, one in White Plains, New York, and then our food trucks throughout the tri-state area. And then also we ship our hot dogs, our mustard, our pigs in a blanket nationwide through Goldbelly. And you can also find them in over 40 different grocery stores in the tri-state area as well.
0: I love this. And one of the things I want to just fucking anchor here, holy shit. I can't, like, number one, you start a hot dog company, like, way back then. And, you know, my family came over from Italy, from Naples, at least on my father's side. My mother's side is, like, Pennsylvania Dutch, Native American. And um, so I'm a total, like, mutt, basically. Another United States mutt added to the list. But I really identify <laughs> with the Italian side because the American dream. You know, my grandparents came over here when they were really young. And and things like that. So well, at least that's the story everyone tells. I mean, I, I think we looked at the family tree and looked at Ellis Island and all that. But it's like, as an Italian-American, it's just crazy for me to fathom that um, one, it's as old as Nathan's, okay? And I actually just, crazy, I watch the Food Network all the time, the Food That Built America. It's almost like my research for the show because they have so many cool facts on there. But I just watched yeah. one on Oscar Mayer, interestingly, and what hot dogs, the garbage that was out there during the 1900s, especially from the 1900s to the 1940s. Just yeah. any garbage, anything that went into hot dogs, like there wasn't any regulation. No matter who was producing the hot dogs, they all went into the same barrel. No one had any real branding. Okay. One of the things Oscar Meyer did is they put a yellow st- strap around every single hot dog so everyone knew what hot dog was theirs. But it's interesting mm-hmm. because one of the things I was doing after I watched that episode is I researched you guys. I also researched Nathan's just because they're so popular and just the foresight of, you know, and I'm going to say it because, you know, you have ballpark hot dogs, and you have all these other ones. But really, for me, based on the research I just did, there's three titans and hot dogs, and you're one of them. Okay. And by titans, Thank I you. mean, to last a 100 years to last multiple generations to make an impact, but also have entrepreneurial ingenuity to survive until now. Okay, each of those companies, Nathan's, Walters and Oscar Mayer went a different direction. Okay, Oscar Mayer went straight for retail. That was their thing. That's what they're going after—the barbecue in the home. Nathan's, we all know, rest stops, road stops, um, beaches, especially all over the United States started Nathan. You know the Nathan hot dog thing. Okay, I will say, okay, that in my feedback, your hot dogs are rated like the best in the world. Okay, Um, the way you slice them and you put them on the grill okay it's not a whole hot dog you guys are grilling them I assume it's on a flat top you have special hoogies that fit these these spliced hot dogs you can get a double dog and it fits nicely together and it's one of the coolest things because as, as an Italian and then also with my ex Deborah who's Greek we always sliced our hot dogs we always put them on a pan and we always used a little bit of lemon juice And I I don't know why. It's just what I became used to. It does really help the flavor, but it's basically what you're doing. And you've designed your own mustard. So I just want to anchor that with the audience. We're talking about a top three legacy brand here when we're talking about Walter's Hot Dogs. And I'm not saying that to blow up ego's. Or to inflate Gene's head. Why I'm saying it is because I want him to know that his brand has the confidence to move mountains and the expansion and entrepreneurial ingenuity that he has. And I know because I've met him. I've had conversations about him. I know Sam talks to you quite a bit um, and has visited your location. And Sam is one of my partners in Gorilla Brave. Uh, which is the networking group we're talking about. and the, the, We do group coaching and we do individual coaching through there as well for individuals um, that we've launched. And that's the thing that we were just talking about. We do events all over the country. They're free. It's buy your own food and buy your own drinks, obviously. But we are trying to get people together and not make it, some big financial commitment because we're already entrepreneurs. We're already spending a shit ton of money. The food game, the margins are shrinking with the delivery game. So we're trying to offer a way for people to gather And grow in more affordable ways. So, why the group setting? If you build a foundation that everyone has the same thing, then the individual coaching is a lot easier because you have the same foundation. And in that foundation, if you have a group, they're also mentoring and coaching each other without having to have a coach or a mentor. So, the diversity of knowledge and information is 10 times greater. Okay, that's what Gorilla Brave is, guys. That's why we're doing it. I call it Gorilla Brave because I believe the gorilla hearted, the gorillas are actually the king of the jungle. Okay, I know I have lions, and I believe in lion and lion-hearted, because that's the Centurion Leadership Battalion represents a lion battalion, but and I identify with the lion and the gorilla. But in this case, as food entrepreneurs, taking care of our families, taking care of our troops, taking care of our businesses, we're more like gorillas than lions as entrepreneurs. Just saying. So, Gene, let's talk about yes summertime. Okay. Let's talk about, we talked a little bit about it. We're creeping into summer. Um, You have food trucks, you have your business. My assumption, and I've lived in New York City, I lived in New York City for like six years um, and did business in New York City for almost 20 years when I did all the HHC hospitals. That's all the health and hospital corporation hospitals of New York City and all five boroughs. Okay. Quite a bit of food, Mm -hmm. you know. So tell me about what does the summer mean for food business like yours in the New York city area uh, or the tri-state area or whatever you call it, New Jersey, Connecticut, New York?
1: Yeah. Th- this season is everything. Um, you know, because what it does is for, for, for a lot of businesses like ours is this is where we're also able to make up for the winter time. You know, being in New York in such a cold climate when things cool off December, January, February, um, it 's really that summertime of course, weather permitting that really helps you not only to kind of make up for that but to really draw in new customers and um, really be able to 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 grow the business in a way so the summers mean everything for us um, it, it goes by so quickly, of course, um, but again, a lot of it has to you know there 's the uncontrollable factors a lot of it has to do with with weather um, but that's where uh, our food trucks kick in the gear. Really, from June through September, that's our food truck season. In New York, we are not—we don't have the luxury of being in Los Angeles or Miami, where it's you know sunny weather, you know every day, or you know warm weather, you know twelve months out of the year. Um, in New York, we have about eight months to really operate our food trucks. So, how do you create a you know almost a part-time business into a, a full-time? you know, opportunity. So it's really these, you know, three months or so, four months that we really maximize all our efforts. Uh, you talk about troops, it's where we really maximum our, our workforce and, and our team members, um, our coaching and our training that really goes into April, you know, March, April and May, so that we have all of our aces in places. We have our our, our A-teams between the restaurants and the food trucks. And now it's like the Olympics. It's our Olympics, right? It's all the pre-training, you know, the the pre-training, the workouts, all the preparation. And we're just getting to the starting line right now. And that race is going to be going on for the next few months or so. Um, And how we do and how we're able to kind of look back and learn from mistakes and see what worked. We're really able to kind of compile that data and really kind of prepare for the next year. Um, so this is where we really get the most amount of customers to our locations, to our food trucks. So we're able to really gain new customers, see our retention of customers, um, be able to get to know them, create really a personal relationship with them as well, uh, get a lot of feedback because again, we're doing sometimes two, three, four, five times the volume in business. Um, so again, overall, it just puts everything in a whole new perspective, Um, to really plan and prepare for the next year of our businesses in in all the different areas.
0: Let's talk about this a little bit because I don't think people realize when you're in cities like New York, well, one, the freaking winters are fucking terrible. Those three months of winter and rain and snow are just... Brutal. God-awful, okay? Let me explain this to everyone. Like, New York City, like, tried to get away from plastic bags for a long time, and they did, and so everything went paper. So, like, 2007... 2008, somewhere around there. I'm in New York City in a freaking snowstorm. I'm up there for work because the snowstorm. We're trying to get out all the food for the hospitals. We produce it in Brooklyn today. We'd ship it out tonight since there was no traffic at night. We do the deliveries and then it'd be lunch, dinner tomorrow, and breakfast the following day. And we never missed a delivery in 24 years in any of our hospitals. Okay. And, um, you know, and that's where we had pride on high quality great service and never missed a delivery. Okay. And we made food from scratch. We try to up the level of nutrition and food and the amount of time it was off the vine or or from the time it was slaughtered. But one of the things that I will say is that as I was walking down the city, these snowstorms, I'm carrying Macy's and, and shopping bags and the snow is coming down so hard and it's starting to mount up to like a foot. The bags are getting wet. They're breaking out of the bottom. I'm like freaking bug uh, bear hugging all my Christmas presents for at the time that I was married at the time to my wife and her family and my family and my brother-in-law and all the gifts I was buying for cousins and everything and I'm literally carrying it down the street and like because I don't they didn't have plastic bags New York City was trying to do away with them and um, it was the craziest thing but that's really what it's like you have to walk everywhere it's very hard to get around and you're already crunched indoors anyway so spring summer is almost like this freeing period where everyone wants to get outside and summer is just like this rebellion against that winter I don't even know how to describe what happens to New Yorkers on the other side of that now let's just keep in mind COVID did happen for two years so there is still that stigma going around or whatever you want to call it that that fear um, of going out sometimes but you know I agree with what Gene's saying so talk to me a little bit about how you manage to increase and decrease your labor during these times. Like, how do you manage that? How do you hire back the same people? Like, what does that look like yeah. for you?
1: That That's a great question because yeah, our, our workforce is three times the amount that we have from the winter months, you know, it, you know, come this time, this is our peak time. Um, so what do we do? Um, we, we do our best to retain the employees that we have. So we have a good amount of our employees. And when I say that, I'm talking about our restaurants and our food trucks. Maybe they started working with us in high school. Maybe we were their first job and we were able to give them some responsibility and leadership training and, uh, you know, gain some business experience. And they hold on to that as a college part time job so we know automatically when they're back from college or so or or when our high school students are off from their summer breaks and now we have them full-time for the summer time that just adds on to the amount of full-time employees that we already have um, what we also do is really in the end of march we start recruiting and we st- we spend anywhere from four to eight weeks uh, recruiting and we'll do hundreds of interviews And our goal out of those hundreds of interviews is that we're going to be able to hire anywhere from maybe 10 to 20 employees between our restaurants and food trucks. Um, And again, you know, that kind of like recruiting funnel, right? How many go through the interview process? How many of them, you know, are hired and onboarded to training to make it out of training to really be able to learn a workstation and then be cross trained to another workstation, right? That, That restaurant and hospitality recruiting funnel goes down and down and becomes a you know a large law of averages for sure, but those are just some things we do to really plan and prepare that we have enough to not only survive the summer times, but really win in the summer times because it's when we need our team the most to not only be there and show up to play, but also to be there to win every single day. Um, and it's hot, summers are hot. Um, It's long hours. It's, you know, it's a lot of work. So what can we do to really make the work environment, you know, better for our employees uh, and the incentives that we can throw their way? Um, That really plays a big role in what we do as well. So we have different summer incentives as well for employees um, to kind of help, again, you know, get through it and, you know, get through it in such a positive way.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because you're 100 percent right. Um, even in anything, even in the Northeast, the United States, and maybe even the Midwest, there's this winter slowdown. Like, people just go inside, they get more comfortable, or their food gets a little more comfort, even with delivery business doing what it does right now. We still have this, like, lag where people feel more comfortable inside and don't want to go outside. Now, it's interesting because it can get really freaking hot, like 90, 100 degrees in New York City. But yet, yeah. interestingly... Um, and some people don't want to go out, but in New York City, it's not a deterrent because people want to get outside so bad, and they want to do things so bad that it really becomes like, I don't know, you just get used to it. I don't even know how to describe it, how hot it gets there and humid. Like It gets hot in Colorado, it gets hot in Georgia yeah. and humid, but New York City is a whole other beast. I don't know even know how yeah. to describe it, um, and even the New York surrounding area, so... I agree with you, and and being in those food trucks must be just so hot because even if they have air conditioning the minute you turn on your hood and start sucking up all the the grease from, you know, whatever, the frying the hot dogs in your case or cooking the hot dogs, grilling them, sorry, um, or whatever, grill tops. Um, God, what are those called? Um, I just went blank. Anyway, um, and all the grease going into the hood. It's just all the cold air goes along with it, and you're just pulling hot air into a hot truck. Exactly, and yeah, we uh, just,
1: you just have you you're just have hot air just all around you. And generally, like rule of thumb from from our experience, we've been doing food trucks now. This is our eighth year um, that we eight years eight years ago we started our food truck business. And generally, it's about 15 degrees hotter in the food truck to whatever the outdoor temperature is. So if we're talking about an you know. A ninety degree day outside, it's going to feel like a hundred and five. Um, and then you know, don't let's not even talk about the humidity, right? So yeah, it, yeah. it's
0: yeah. it's
1: it's hot. It's
0: hot. <laughs> it becomes a hot box. It's, it almost becomes a, a very, giant proofer. Again, but
1: that's, yeah, but you, you talk about it is uh, it's something, Justin, that it, I've never gotten used to it. You know, sometimes you know you hear about people who live in like hot climates, and they're like it's 95 degrees out of 100 degrees and they're wearing long sleeve shirts and they're great, right? I'm not that person. I've lived in New York my whole life. I'm still not like acclimated and can handle the heat. But, But what's interesting is it's never deterred me from like doing what I love, right? Like I could say like, this is unbearable. This is so hot. It's exhausting. I cannot do it. It's never gotten to that point. And I guess that's where you know, you know, you love what you're doing, you know, because you're able to handle the things that make you most uncomfortable you know
0: I, I will tell you um, it's the weirdest thing I actually like I remember doing this about 2009 when we I we got into food trailers and food trucks uh, back in the day and fried chicken specifically to start off with is I would go do hot yoga for an hour and a half Like as the season was preparing, knowing that even as an executive, I was going to have to do demonstrations and demonstrations for grocery stores. Because we were also the same food trailers we were going on selling at like Speedways and Dover Raceway and stuff like that. And in Philadelphia, we would also do samples because we also sold the same products that we were also uh, making in the food trailers to sell to consumers. And so we're selling the byproducts. And I would just prepare by being hot. Like I'm like when we do hot yoga, it's probably good for me. <laughs> but at least it gets you used to that hundred plus temperatures and just dealing with it and the constant sweating, because the constant yeah. sweating is the most uncomfortable part. It's not that just the heat; it's the constantly being hot and wet. I don't know how to describe yeah. it, but you're just wet all the time. And um, yeah,
1: it, the, one of the best ways to say it is: listen, it's not glitzy, it's not glamorous, it's definitely not sexy.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah i know and everyone's rush rushes in the food truck game and then they get in the trucks and they're like holy crap what is this um and i would yeah. say a lot yeah. of people um you know try to get out of it as quickly as possible or end up not being in food trucks or trailers because they can't handle the summer months um you know and that's really yeah. you want to talk about in my opinion mental toughness uh building a business really sticking through it like when you have to figure out all that stuff, you're sweating all over the place, you know, it's hot as hell and you're busy as hell because it's the summertime. I think you grow a lot as a business. Um, Let's talk about the food trucks a little bit more just real quickly. And I know we talked about it a little bit on the past episode, but you do a lot of, you know, if you look at your social media, everyone should follow you guys at Walter's hot dogs online. But um, the, You guys do a lot of events and movie sets, and you did, like, the I think it's the Marvelous Miss Maisie, and you've done different movies and stuff like that. So talk to me a little bit about that. How did you guys get into, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, catering on studios? Because I think that's a very interesting niche compared to what a lot of other food trucks do.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, we never our intention, you know, we had the, the concept to do the food trucks um, back in 2006. And it for whatever reason, it just didn't come to fruition. And um, we revisited in 2014, we just said, we need to do this. And my mother, Christine, my sister Catherine, and I came up with an idea of let's just get a food truck to be able to handle the demand and the line and crowds of people that come to our American location, right? Um, at that point, it had been there for just about ninety nine over ninety years. Um, it was busier than ever, so we just wanted a way to 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 have to act as an overflow to handle the demand of customers that we were getting on our property, right? And we spent about eight months to come up with what we thought was a great business model and what we were going to do and how we were going to, you know, uh, offer our services and, and conduct events. And day one, we launched the business and the amount of inquiries we got and the types of events that we got, we were just like, we're not going to be able to, we can't, we can't use this one truck as an overflow in the This, this truck needs to go out to now TV sets or movie sets or country clubs and, uh, you know, private parties and weddings and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. And, you know, it, it literally just changed overnight, Justin, and It just it started really from the get go. Um, We were really lucky to have some support early on from um, Jennifer Lawrence hired us for a a movie and uh, Julia Roberts and and Steven Spielberg and uh, Robert De Niro. And, you know, once you kind of work, once you kind of have the credibility with you know, some, let's say, A-list celebrities, right? And and once they see a food truck and once that production company and the people working on that TV set or movie set see it and like it and enjoy it and, you know, see maybe a difference than just kind of like their regular craft services that they experience on set every day, it just kind of snowballs from there. And you, can, you really begin a relationship, uh, whether it's with the celebrities themselves or the production companies to the producers, uh, you know, to the, you know, onset, uh, you know, pr- prop masters, um, you know, to the people who make decisions of why they would need a food truck as a prop or for for a catering opportunity. Um, they remember you as their projects continue over time. And that's, that's one of the best things that I could say is that we are always there. We will always find a way. And a lot of the times the TV sets and the movie sets it's last minute, you know, they'll call you on a Thursday and they're going to say, Hey, I know it's Thursday night at nine o'clock right now. I need you tomorrow at 12 o'clock. And we always say, all right, we will find a way to be there for you. We will come through. We'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. And I think that's kind of resonated with, you know, with, with our clients. And um, of course, the product that we put out, the service and everything that goes into it and our level of flexibility to kind of really put the client first. Um, So, yeah, it's led to some amazing opportunities and and one's just in that we never thought of when we were first creating the business. We never thought it would lead to this. And it's just something that we're just so proud of. And it's a very humbling experience because it allows us to take our business on wheels to a place that we never thought it would go and to to see a whole different industry and line of work and life um, which is really really cool so um, it's definitely a blessing and i'm super excited about some opportunities we have coming up as well
0: you know as someone who built companies that did you know, equivalent of hundreds of millions of dollars in food per year. I mean, just in New York City alone, you guys can imagine how much food that is for all those hospitals um, per year. The um, It's really cool for me to see because my perspective, even when I was in giving, I, I was always a producer. And even though we own restaurants here and we own food trucks here, one of the craziest things about you guys and your brand is just the customer retention. Okay, and I get it. You're a hundred years old, and there's loyalty there. But I would say it's more than a Nathan's. And I'm sorry, I'm comparing to competition. I don't like doing that because I don't want you to focus on them because you're your own brand. And but at the same time, I just have to. I have to ask. Like for 104 years, okay. There's obviously family tradition in here. You, your mom, your sister, and you are now running things uh, most of the time, or if not all the time. Are. Yeah are are having to pass down these traditions are also now taking over the clients and the customers like how do you talk to me about your guys i don't know i would call it an attitude i would call it a mindset about customers about clients you mentioned about service and doing whatever it meant even if it was less than 24 hour notice but tell me more because you work in the business and you know you're trying to work more on your business so I, i'm just interested how do you keep the customers how do you make sure the level of service is there how do you make sure each store and each uh truck is delivering that service equally so people don't be like oh i had it this one time and it was horrible you know how do you yeah. how do you maintain that
1: yeah so listen it, it's it's we we strive for the excellence in it all. And of course, are there times where mistakes happen in the food service, food service industry, right? Do mistakes happen? Do things like that? Yes, of course. So everything is not perfect all the time, right? Nothing is, but I think it starts with, it starts with us again, with the respect of the business to know how hard our previous generations of family members worked in the business to get it to here, to this point right now, present day 2023. For us to be able to relay that message to our employees the best we can, for them to be able to respect the work that they do and the business themselves and the customers that have been patrons, you know, multi-generations of customers that have been coming here for 104 years, and then to relay that same type of message to our customers that, we've been here, we've been part of this community, um, you know, the world has changed, but we have been a constant in this community, and a consistent product that you can rely on, and that that means something, um, and that we're we're not going anywhere, and we want to continue to do the same type of job, you know, to, to make you feel a certain way, so that you know that your money is going into something that not only you enjoy, but it makes you feel good that there's some type of experience and emotion attached to eating a Walter's hot dog. And for a lot of people, it's that Justin it's, it's more than just eating a hot dog. And I think a lot of it has to do with my grandfather, Gene who's the son of Walter he was just such a juggernaut in the community that he put his community first and his customers you know, first in, in all that he did. Uh, forget about making profits as a business. Yeah, now he just, he his had-
0: legacy lasts beyond his lifespan. I just want to anchor that. It's going to last long past his lifespan just by doing yeah. what he did, which was investing in the people in his community. But anyway, I wanted to anchor that real quick. Right. Sorry to interrupt you, Gene.
1: No, no, that's a, that's a great point because... We we, we we still to this day, you know we, we hear customers and we listen to them and say, "You know, I'll never forget Gene Warrington or i'll remember, I'll remember when you know I didn't have a lot of of money and he gave my kid a free hot dog, or he did this for my family, or you know he had us he had my son try the ice cream when he was young. you know it's just like little things that that he did, and people remember those things. People remember how they felt as a child going somewhere. And it just became a family tradition, right? It became, we're, we're an extremely family oriented place. Um, and that has just resonated with people, you know, for over five plus generations. Um, so again, a lot of that has to do with the consistent product so that people know that it's consistent. They know what they're getting, that we're there, we're reliable, that the service is going to be good, that we care about how they feel and how the food makes them feel as well and yes justin it is exhausting to try to do that day in and day out between the restaurants and the food trucks and obviously even our shipping with gold belly and our retail of course there's a lot to it it's one of the things that will definitely keep me up at night but it's all worth it you know it's it's all worth it so you know at the end of the day that's that's the goal
0: I, I love this, and I want to anchor this a little bit. There's a company, um, my fa- my mom's side of the family from Allentown, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, actually Emmaus, uh, McCungee area, but Allentown, okay, and there's a hot dog place there. It's Leia Coca's family. It's called Yakos, okay, and they've been around maybe 100 years also or something close to it, but I will tell you, from when I was a kid to now, there's not the same customer service. The hot dogs and the product has gone downhill who, you know, and I'd love to have them on the show to discuss this. I've been trying, but I think it's the same. It's the mentality. They aren't engaging their consumers the way they used to. They have this great brand, which is probably maybe, I would say, you know, a top 10 recognizable brand in hot dogs, at least regionally. But it's not. It's falling further and further behind because their quality went down the tubes. Their products went down the tubes, their locations have gone down the tubes, and they don't engage their customers and their clients and retain them the way that they used to. It's not an experience compared to what you're doing. So I just want to give a comparison, not to add suffering to anyone because I know it leads to that, but just because I want to anchor for the entrepreneurs in the audience what the difference is okay there's a difference when you properly hand down things or you inspire the next generations by getting them involved in your business there's there's purpose in giving them ownership and trusting them and turning over the reins versus in some cases where you hold back as an owner, you don't you, you go all the way to death. You're going to be the CEO and the dictator and the owner of the business all the way to death. Okay, And I say dictator because if you're not thinking about passing down your legacy properly, you're going to destroy it ultimately. And just like our legacies can last generations in a positive way, they can last generations in a negative way. Also, not only from bad family patterns or bad habits, or things that yeah. turn into spiritual maladies. I'm talking about in our businesses and the people that work there and the influence on them. Okay. So I um I I totally am just amazed at what you guys are doing. I think the the way you guys have been able to go to market and sort of slowly build your brand, okay, properly, hold true to who you are, not expand too quickly, and now as there's more of you in the family, and you guys have the trust that you have, I know families argue. Everyone wants to do more things. Some family members do more than others, yet everyone might be equal. Blah blah blah. Believe me, I've been there. And um, but ultimately, there's leadership uh, emerges in the family. You know, uh, you know, someone, grandson, great grandson, great granddaughter, granddaughter, whoever daughter someone rises up and really continues to grow those businesses just like you said about your grandfather who grew your great-grandfather's business and really became a titan in the community so i think that that is always passed down sometimes it's every other generation i don't know why but there's this stigma that oh if i pass down a business by the time it gets to the third generation it's bankrupt or it's going bad or they're going to ruin it it all depends on how the family legacy is built Okay, and the individuals that build it, and if we're talking about Walter's Hot Dogs right now, we have a very strong legacy that is growing, and I think you guys are probably doing the best you've ever done, and you're trying to figure out what's next. Um, So um, that being said, like, what is next for you guys? Like, what are what are you know what is in store for Gene? Like, what do you do now? Where's your future hold, and how are you guys trying to or are are thinking about expanding this business because, you know, I hate to say it, but you're doing well, but you don't ever want to get comfortable because comfortable leads to death in a business. And so you got to constantly be growing, unfortunately, especially once you're starting to grow the way that you guys are. And I know many entrepreneurs don't understand this, but if you don't keep growing, you don't keep pushing growth and innovation and quality and service and customer retention or client retention, you die. It's just the way it is. You get too comfortable. You sit back on your loins. You say, oh, this is how we've been doing it for 100 years, or this is how we've been doing it for 20 years. We're not going to change it. That will kill your business. Okay. I don't know why. I'm not saying the way the hot dog tastes or the way the mustard's made. I'm talking about innovating in your business for current times and growth because we live in a time where there's high competition. And whether they're competing with you directly or not – businesses and food will take each other out unintentionally so um or intentionally so talk to me a little bit about that gene plans you um what's the future hold yeah. were you guys uh, planning on growing this thing
1: yeah and and justin you mentioned you know higher higher amounts of competition and higher higher costs than ever before to run and operate a business right um so to be able to navigate that as well um for for us you know it's It's an exciting time because we're about to launch our fourth food truck next week. So we're going to have four food trucks, uh, for public and private events. Uh, so people can easily book them, you know, for, for public events, for private events, whatever the case may be. So we're going to have our fourth food truck. Um, we're going to be growing our retail. That's really one of our big goals is, you know, people always say, you know, I live in Florida, but, I can I can get them shipped by Gold Valley, but I would love them in my Publix, right? Um, how can I get them there? Or I know you're in some Wegmans, but we'd like to have you in more Wegmans. Or, you know, I wish you could be in uh, ShopRite or, you know, Stop and Shop or, you know, Ralph's in, in Los Angeles, you know? So one of our big goals is to, now that we've had our retail food business for the last four years or so, we have a little bit of a more understanding about it, and our goal is to be able to to grow it, to be able to get it into the hands of more consumers, uh, to create create better partnerships and relationships with bigger corporations and grocery stores who can carry our products. Um, so that's something that we're really working hard on, and and, and I hope uh, once our summer season is over with our food trucks, that I'm going to be able to devote a lot more time to that. Um, our food truck, uh, we are looking to grow the food trucks as well through licensing opportunities. So, uh, people who may, you know, um, want to really be able to start a food truck, but they may not know what type of cuisine, or they may not want to, to begin their own brand, to be able to run and operate a Walters food truck under one of our business licenses. Um, that's something that we're really looking for. So, you know, could there be a, a Walters food truck in Miami or Los Angeles or in the state of Connecticut or... Something like that. Um, that's something that we're really looking to do as well. So uh, we continuously get asked about more brick and mortar locations, but until we really have, until we really have a, a true understanding of of how we would take those types of next steps and what to do, and you know, it's something that we're still just not comfortable with. I'm, you know, in addition to the two restaurants that we have right now. Uh, Once we have maybe the the right type of structure as far as a team that could really handle that type of growth or the right types of, you know, people that we bring on board, um, it's just not something that we really want to move forward with right now. So um, we are going to be aggressively uh, working within our two locations and our four, four food trucks while growing the shipping and the retail businesses.
0: Talk to me a little bit about what's going into retail. Is it just the hot dogs? Do you guys do your buns? Do you do your mustard? Like, what does that look like? And then also, let's do, yeah. after you explain that, let's talk about what a Gold Belly, what you're doing with Gold Belly, and what that looks like as well, and how people can order through there.
1: Yeah. So uh, grocery stores, were able to offer our hot dogs, our mustard, and our pigs in a blanket. Uh through Gold Belly, we're able to offer our hot dog kits, which also include our buns as well, in addition to uh, the, the hot dogs, the mustard, and the pigs in a blanket. So that's what we're able to offer on a retail level.
0: Very cool. So on Gold Belly, like, what, do you guys do packages? Do you send the buns? Like, Talk to me about that because I think… Yeah. Like a lot of people, and some of the things I've heard is like you actually like can send a whole barbecue kit, or like I'm doing the picnic. Here's the whole package. So explain that to me. What does that look like? What does it consist of?
1: Yeah, when you when you place an order on Goldbelly.com with us, uh, you get our Walter's hot dog kit that comes with full cooking instructions and opportunity for a bit a video demo, so you can cook it literally exactly the same way that we cook them here in New York. um, That come with. Uh, You know, we have a a variety. It just depends on, you know, how much you want to get, how many hot dogs you want to get, how many, you know, buns, mustard, you know, pigs in a blanket. So we have a a wide variety, which Goldbelly has been great about. Um, And we also have merch as well. So you can get a Christmas, a Walters Christmas ornament or a snapback hat or a T-shirt, because a lot of the times with Goldbelly, people are buying them as gifts and you know it's one thing to be able to get the food but for a fan of walters if they're able to get a shirt with it or a hat as well um so goldbelly has been really uh, you know a great relationship with them to be able to offer a wide variety of products um and, and food as well to our customers so yeah you can get our, our hot dog kits you can get them in a blanket and we can kind of customize it to exactly what you want in quantities
0: i love this uh, i'm gonna ask this because i think it's important like everyone like there's a lot of hot dog companies popping up and and it's like a, everyone sees this trend coming in and that's why I talk about these brands that have like these titans of brands and you know Nathan says let their brand slide a little bit and we talked about Oscar Mayer and we talked about You know, um, Yako's, but your brand is not sliding. It it is a quality brand. It's essential. So, I'm going to ask you this question because I think it's important. Because a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I'm just going to do a hot dog stand, or I'm just going to do another cookie shop. Well, what makes your cookie shop different? What makes your hot dog stand different that you're trying to create or your burger shop? Since that's like a big one, you know, Smash Burgers right now. Why are you different? And so, talk to me a little bit about what you think your you, the differences are why you have such a better product or a better business than a lot of your competitors. Obviously you're not focusing on them. You guys are just doing you, but let's talk about what your superpowers are basically as a business yeah. um, and, and why you think that is, or, or where it came from or, or however you want to describe it.
1: Yeah. So it, it started 104 years ago with my great grandfather coming up with the recipe of the hot dog, you know, um, there. are You know, we can proudly say, you know, we're a small family business, but there is no other hot dog with the blend that we have. There just isn't. Um, We make our own mustard. There is no other mustard that is the same as ours that's that's available. The way we cook and prepare the hot dog dates back over a hundred years of how we've been doing it. There is no other hot dog company that has been doing what we're doing and how we cook and prepare it and top it. Um, You know, that's Walters. It's, 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 it's a really a one of a kind, it's in its own category. And I can say that because it just, it does not taste like a typical hot dog. So a lot of the times when we have first timers and they say, you know, I've heard all about you, but now I have to try for myself or what makes it so special. I would, I simply say, just take one bite, just, just take a bite because anything that you know, as far as the taste of a hot dog, a modern day hot dog and what you've grown up with or what you currently eat, this does not taste like it. And it just doesn't, you know, and we can proudly say that that's our superpower, that it's really one of a kind. Whether you like it or don't, that that's one thing, but there is just no other hot dog out there with the recipe, the cooking style, and preparation um, as a Walters hot dog.
0: Love it. Gene, let's talk about you personally a little bit, okay? Sure. Um, you're fourth generation, third, fourth, however you want to look at it. Talk to me yeah. about the pressure you feel. Talk to me about anxiety, maybe. Talk to me about how do you, as a family member— come into a business I mean you're dealing with titans that are your relatives and it's crazy because you you know you always want to do better than the previous generation that's the American dream and our parents want us to do better than them so you you obviously have a lot of that going on plus you're like trying to figure out this business as it's growing down multiple avenues we talked about retail we talked about direct to consumer we've talked about um, food trucks we've talked about brick and mortar so talk to me a little bit about you, like where, like how, like what's going on in your head as an entrepreneur coming into this business, a family of entrepreneurs, and how do you sort of start to make your way in a business that's been around for uh, 90 to 100 years at the time you were in, started in the business? I know you started as a kid, so maybe 80 years mm-hmm. then or or 70, I can't do the math right now for some reason in my head. Normally I'm great at math, but it's been a long couple of days. And, um, talk to me a little bit about that. How did you figure this out or how yeah. are you figuring it out? I guess, cause it's a constant journey, right?
1: Constant. And and the pressure is never ending. It doesn't stop. And it's continuing to mount. Um, that's just how it is. So for, for me, I, I grew up, you know, I grew up about 45 minutes north of of the business. So, you know, as a kid, as a high school student, um, even a little bit of, uh, before college, you know, I'd work in the summer times just to really go spend spend a few weeks with my grandparents and be able to work for, you know, for him at Walters. And then I really went off and I did my own thing. And And it wasn't until 2013 that I came into the business. And yeah, at, the, at that time, that was 10 years ago. I was 30 years old at the time, um, extremely ambitious, you know, hardworking, I can say that. And I just wanted to jump with, you know, close my back door and give it everything I got. Um, And I'm I'm proud of what we've been able to do in the 10 years, but now I'm, you know, now I'm 40, 10 years later, here we are. And, you know, the pressure is there. Um, And, you know, it's, it's very difficult. It's the, the level of anxiety and stress to kind of not handle just one brick and mortar restaurant, which, you know, is, difficult in and of itself. I think anyone who owns a restaurant can can tell you that there's so much to it. But now when you add a second location and you add, you know, four food trucks um, that can do up to 30 to 40 events in a week or up to 12 events in a day, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. And when you're talking about now retail and shipping, um, you know, it's more than just having one restaurant and worrying about that restaurant operating and the food going out and the customer experience being great, right? So you know, those are the things that you know keep me up because at at the end of the day, I I do want to, I do want to make our family proud. I want to continue the legacy. I want nothing but good things for everyone involved, and that's really difficult. Um, so it, it's it's how to handle the type of stress and pressure. Um, that is something that I, I constantly deal with, you know, on a daily basis.
0: How, like, how do you make the decision? Obviously, you went and did your own thing. You kind of didn't, maybe didn't want to do the hot dog thing, or maybe you did, but you knew you needed to get outside experience. I'm not sure. But what I did, you...
1: Justin, just not to cut you off, but I did. I, uh, I always, ahead. even in my, in my early 20s, as soon as I graduated college, before I went to get my MBA, I just, I wanted to grow the business. I wanted to, you know, there were people who approached us about franchising opportunities. There were people who approached us about trying to make the brand bigger. Um, In 2006 is when I approached my grandfather to start the food truck business. Could you imagine if we started our food trucks in 2006?
0: It's Um, nuts to think about.
1: (laughs) Wow. Um, but, But yeah, I always had a love and a passion for the business, but there really wasn't a place for me at the time. Um, there was the hierarchy there, you know, I was still in my early twenties and we were just this mom and pop business that had been, you know, a staple in the community, but all the aces were in places, you know, so there wasn't really room for me. Um, so I went off, I did my own thing. I got the experience I needed to. And, you know, we got to a point where, you know, my, my grandfather especially said, all right, now this is, you know, I really want you to get involved in the business and I want you to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, Because I believe that you can do it, so that's really what I needed to hear back in 2012 to really start in 2013 with the business.
0: Talk to me a little bit about roles, because and what you're talking about here. Was your sister and your mom? I know you're with them now. Were they already? Did they? Were they some of these aces in places, or did your sister come in with you? Talk to me a little bit about how all this works out, because I know, like for me, you know, it goes from you know. It can be hard as you start assigning roles down into those generations.
1: Yeah. So my my sister Christine has been with the with Walters for just about 20, 20 plus years or so. So she's really been there. She's seen really the evolution, um, you know, for the past you know twenty years or so. Um, in two thousand and thirteen is when my mother Christine she left her job as a college professor that she she had been, and I left my career. And in 2014, my sister Catherine left her uh, her role in PR and hospitality for them. So she was basically helping restaurateurs and chefs with launching their restaurants and openings and all those types of things. And she said, you know, I want to take my experience and apply it to my family's business that I love so much. So uh, she came on in 2014. So really for the last uh, 10 plus years, it's been the four of us uh, really, you know, running and operating the businesses on a daily basis
0: it's actually so it's actually um, your mom two sisters and you are you the youngest
1: I'm not my sister Catherine is the youngest
0: okay very cool so I mean did they work with you in the business you talked about growing up and, and driving down in high school and college was it a lot the same as that uh, number one and number two is your older sister I believe is is that the one who's been in the business for 20 plus years What made her join the business? And I mean, obviously, even before your mom, apparently. So talk to me a little bit about her and her role, because obviously, she's been the one that really jumped right in first.
1: Yeah. For for all of us, Justin, I can confidently say it's all really the, the, the same answer. It was our grandfather, Gene. It was seeing him and the love that he had for the business and you know, everything he put towards it and what it meant to not only him, but seeing what it meant to other people, you know, through him is what attracted us to it. Because it was like, not only do we get to be closer with our grandfather and learn from him, but we're also able to be, you know, a part of this cool family business that he really grew from his father, Walter. Um, So that's that that's what brought her there. That's what brought me there. My sister Catherine and my mom. It was really my grandfather.
0: And and you've got a dynamic there, right? It's a, it's hard. You have a mother, you you have two siblings in the business also. Like how do you guys get through disagreements? Because I get when everything one agrees, it's everything's awesome. But a lot of the time when yeah. you have that much dynamic and, and so many different backgrounds, even though you're all part of the same family. There's a lot of differences of opinion. How do you guys get through that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it all starts with the respect that we have for each other, the love that we have for each other as siblings and our mother. That's number one. So in, in all that we do, before we do anything, we all know that we have that type of love and respect for each other. So whatever we say whether we agree or disagree we know that it's coming from a good place that we don't have any type of ill will or no one's trying to one up the other person or make someone else look bad or do something like that does that make sense
0: Yeah it makes perfect sense
1: So so I think even though there's times where we may not all agree we don't necessarily have to all agree where it's if at the end of the day, kind of like the majority says, this is what we think is going to be best for the business. And again, kind of using that philosophy, if it's not personal, it's business. Um, we really try to put that into the forefront of things. And a lot of the times too, is we'll say, all right, I may not agree with this, but you know, our grandfather, Gene, though it was years ago and maybe times have changed a little bit, You know, what would he think? What would he do in this scenario? Um, because he knew the business better than anybody and he knew his customers better than anyone and he knew his products better than anyone so a lot of the times we try to bring it back to that as well not to just say oh that's the easy answer because again times have changed right but it's just to kind of get to the bare bones of things as well to again whatever decisions we make that our intention are in a good place and I think that that helps kind of soften any blow where maybe I don't personally agree with the decision, but it helps kind of soften the blow a little bit to know that if we, if they think it's best for the business, then they're going to have my support with it.
0: I love and, this cause it's almost like WWGD. What would Gene do? Not Eugene, but grandfather Gene, because you guys can always anchor yeah. that back. That's, <laughs> it's like kind of thing. Um, yeah.
1: And and I know and I know for maybe some people listening is all right. Well, listen, I don't have a family business. Maybe I own restaurants. That it's just me, right? Um, well, then it's like, okay, maybe you don't have. What would you know your grandfather Gene do? But that's when you'd want to try to get the help and support around you, to try to get those types of influences to help you make those types of decisions, so that you don't have to kind of answer only by yourself.
0: I love it. Okay, what is it that you personally, Gene, love doing most in your business, or developing this entrepreneurial ingenuity, or, or whatever you want to call it? What is the things? I would say more than one, but the things that you really enjoy doing, you know, because I think having such family members, four of you, you guys really have to identify your <clears throat> roles a little bit, and you can step yeah. on each other if you're not careful, because there always can be too many chiefs and not enough Indians when you start having lots of family members involved in the business. So talk to me about that. I probably uh, offended someone by saying that, but I am Native American. So we'll just, you know, everyone can just take that one. And, um, but talk to me a little bit about roles. What do you enjoy the most? What, what keeps you yeah. going every day? And, you know, maybe even the things you don't enjoy.
1: Yeah, sure. So I, <clears throat> Me personally, I enjoy when I enjoy the most that when my events coordinator, Tara, when she says, hey, so and so wants to book the food truck or, hey, our food truck has this opportunity. I get so excited to just when just knowing that there's people out there that they have a special event in their lives and they want us to be a part of it in whatever capacity, whether it's a TV set, a country club, a birthday party, a graduation party, whatever the case may be. That excites me so much, constantly. That has not changed in the eight years that we've had our food trucks. But I'm, I'm most excited about, I'm not excited about the process because the process is difficult and it's extremely hard and there's a lot of wins and losses that go along with it. But um very excited about wanting to get our hot dogs, our mustard, our pigs in a blanket into more grocery stores. It's extremely challenging, but that's what I'm, I'm really excited because I think the opportunity for it is able to turn the brand into a more national, national recognizable one if people from all around the United States are able to purchase our hot dog in their grocery store.
0: This is incredible, and you know, I think um, one of the things I'm going to lay on Eugene is I don't, th- I think as someone who's been through what I've been through, which is built a 24 year company and then sort of grow rapidly, do hundreds of millions of dollars in food every year, um, you know, and you know, almost even hit that number just with New York City alone uh, hmm. in terms of the volume of wow. food, but. You know, it's it's interesting to me because now I'm at a point where those businesses no longer exist. And there was so much pressure to keep it going, keep the family legacy going, um, yeah. that um, that I lost sight of what well, we lost sight of the core values and, and what actually made our business thrive in a lot of ways. And I, and I didn't do what you guys are doing, which is reinvent my business constantly, where well, I didn't have partners that were willing to, I should say that. And we didn't have we weren't able in the end as a family to come to agreements okay or with the other business partners in the business and so yeah which is a crazy scenario when you're doing well and you're successful and literally it's the inability to make decisions and execute them that take down a business after 24 years in some ways it's not the whole reason but it's a lot of the reason and um and bad leadership and bad choices by those leaders and um so one of the things I like about what you're talking about is you guys understand what the legacy is. You guys understand what you're building. You understand what it means to have the responsibility of the business that's 100 years old and you don't take it for granted. Okay, And, yeah. and you guys support each other in the growth even if it's not your idea. Okay, I want to anchor that for the audience. If you don't have business partners or you don't have partnerships or you don't have family members that can support whatever the ultimate decision is and they go around with a chip on their shoulders or they don't support it or they're not able to do it, it is a problem. They will talk behind your back. They will talk to other employees. They will start causing a rift in your company. Um, Bullying can take place even within family members or executives. Uh, they can start knocking down each other because there isn't this clear path. okay? And if you're in a business and you have these individuals, you need to figure out how to exit the individuals that are not that are unable to get on board and row in the same direction as everyone else once a decision has been made. And if they can't execute it, and they can't step up and put their 100% energy into it, even if it's not their idea, they do not belong in your businesses. I see so many entrepreneurs get into partnerships or so many family members bring family members into a business, and it becomes so much about the I and feeling important and feeling significant. Okay, yeah, that it tears down the business. Now, there's a difference between significance and trying to drive business like being a Titan in business and going out to your community and doing the right thing and doing things for free. Like we, you know, a podcast, for example, or whatever, to try to build awareness and like, give back. Okay, that's one way. But the other way that people do it is that it's my way or the highway. Why aren't you listening to my idea? If you don't have my idea, no idea is going to work. Okay, and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of individuals out there that have that mindset these days. The more me, me, me focused we are, which is crazy because we're social beings and the greatest reward is growing someone else. That's our all of our purposes, okay? And we deny it all the time. We're thinking, oh, I need to grow myself. True, but it's best to grow yourself and then use it to grow other people, okay? Um, so I just wanted to anchor that. I think it's doing. you guys are doing a great job there. Um Definitely going to have you on for a part three because we're running out of time here. But I'm going to ask one last question. Leadership skills, because you have a business that obviously has had successful leadership from generation to generation right now. You know, even with you guys taking over 10 years ago, the leadership is there. You guys would still be around. okay? especially after COVID, especially after hurricanes in New York City and all the stuff that happened around 2013 to now. So talk to me a little bit about the leadership skills in your business or within your family that you think have benefited you and your business the most.
1: Yeah, I think number one is leading by example. Um, Because again, now we're talking about multi generations of, you know, the leaders within our business, right? And it's, we've been able to see that. I I think number one, leading by example is one thing. Um, and of course a good example, right? And I think as a business too, especially in a business like mine, where, you know, sometimes I'll be working alongside our employees that if they see me doing the right thing, no matter what, it's going to trickle down in some way. So being able to kind of lead by example and to be able to do the right things when nobody's watching is key. Um, I think also, uh, a skill that you know we talk a lot about you know your your work ethic and um, you know sometimes what we may be lacking in skill will be able to make up with with our work ethic and things like that. Um, the ability though to make decisions um, is key because you know Justin you and I've been talking a lot about even too about like pressure and stress of things, but the ability to make decisions, And to be able to do that confidently, I think, is extremely important because a lot of people just they don't want to be in leadership. They don't want to be in management because they don't want to have to make the decisions. They don't want to have to have the responsibility to do it right. So I think, you know, leading by example, the ability to make the decisions and then follow through as far as meeting deadlines and Execution on what you're doing, and the type of work that you're doing to be able to give it a hundred percent in what you do. I think those are the types of skills that you need to be able to hit the type of goals that you want, whatever they may be. Um, and then, if, if listen, if someone can say too that you're, you know, you have the the type of skill the the types of tools that you can able to take that and be able to train and develop other people as well. Like you, like you talked about growing other people I think is going to be long lasting as well, because it's great if I can do it. Right. But if I can't have someone else do what I do as well, how can I ever grow from what I'm currently doing now? So to be able to have that type of transfer knowledge, to be able to teach, train and develop other people, um, So that whoever you're teaching and training, that no matter how they learn, that you're able to be able to to present it in a format that is transferable. Um, I think that's crucial as well.
0: I'm going to anchor this for the audience. This is absolutely, you want legacy in your business, you want to last 20 plus years or 24 plus years or 100 plus years, let me tell everyone the biggest secret that everyone doesn't realize. If you have good employees, you train them to be trainers, not train them to do a job, okay? You train them to be trainers from day one so they can train other people because those are the people you want to rise up in your company. And if they get good at training other people and using their skill and their management abilities and all that, in addition to growing humans, training them, they're That is what a business is always in food. I'm sorry, food changes, codes change, trends change, businesses change, opportunities change. So you need to constantly be training. And as Gene just talked about, it's a freaking 100 employees every summer to whittle them down to 10 to 20. So you've got to train all of them, okay? So in the audience, I think um, I say you, but it's we. I'm sorry, I'm trying to use the word we more. But we as entrepreneurs have to understand that we are training trainers. Whatever we are doing, the example we're setting, the way we're training people is is to train others, not to get them to function in their job. That will kill your company, that will leave you stagnant, that will give you the inability to grow because you're the only one that can train people. You do not want that. Okay, We are the only ones that train people, however that looks. I don't know how to word that properly. But either way, that's what I'm talking about here, and that's why I asked the question to Gene, um, and was hoping we'd sort of circle around to that because one of the things I think you guys do well, and the reason your business has lasted so long is you do well at training people so they can teach others. Um, but maybe, you know, how do you feel about that? What are your thoughts on that, Gene?
1: Yeah, I uh, know you, you, you said it best right there is, you know, when we're again, we're talking about like all right if i can do something great but if i can't teach anyone else to do what i'm doing there's no way that i can grow in any capacity because i'm always going to have to be the one to do it so yes uh, you know when 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 we hire someone it doesn't matter the position is we're going to hire them to cross train and our goal is to be able to train and develop because also if we c- it, a lot of the times businesses it doesn't matter the sector of business but they can't retain people because the, they're just the people that are hired are just doing the same job day in and day out Um, And it's like Groundhog Day. And there's no type of growth. There's no type of, uh, you know, professional growth. There's no type of real, like, personal growth that they're able to gain as far as a skill set. So I think something that we, you know, we really, you know, take a lot of pride in is to to be able to hire people at a young age. My grandfather was really big on that, that we were able to provide maybe someone their first job at a young age to give them some real world business skills, to be able to learn customer service, to be able to learn how to you know, speak to people and understand body language and to be able to how to work under pressure and to be able to work together as a team um, to meet deadlines. And you know, all these types of skills that they're able to learn at a young age. But if we're able to say, hey, listen, we're going to hire you and you're going to learn how to make milkshakes and fries and be a cashier. But these are the skills that you're going to be able to learn doing it. Well, they say, OK, cool. Well, I'm not just working at a typical, you know, fast, casual restaurant. Well, now I'm, I understand the skills that I'll be learning from this as well. They're able to really understand that there's more of an opportunity as well, that it's not just a dead end food service job. And if they have those types of skills, then we can utilize those skills in more positions within our business as we continue to grow as well. So, again, the, the, the mutual success of it all.
0: Yeah, and you're one hundred percent right. And I think your grandfather and the 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 thing that he instilled in you guys is you are training people for life when you are an entrepreneur or you are a business. You are not training them for your business. I want to emphasize that for everyone. And what do I mean? You want to make sure the you know the person with the right mindset. The minute they take their job and they're doing their training, they're already training their replacement. They're training someone else or they're, they're preparing to train someone else if it's a small business, if they have to, to replace them. Why? Because we want to be replaceable. Why? Because we want to grow, especially as an entrepreneur. We want to we get into places and we want to have management take over the things that we develop. Okay, that's number one. So every time I'm going into something new, every time I'm trying to do uh, the podcast, or I'm trying to do the new business in Freedom Foods, or I'm trying to build Gorilla Brave, I'm always thinking about how what I'm doing. How am I going to train someone on this? Okay, because I want to be replaceable. Okay, it's important. I know it goes against human instinct. Okay, and we're we want to grab on and we want to have control and we we want to you know keep all of our secrets to ourselves and not share anything. Believe me, I understand it. I'm I'm super competitive. Competitive to an insane amount of degree where I don't even like sharing, okay? But in business, I have to understand that in order to win, I have to be able to develop my teammates also, okay? And I have to be able to develop managers and executives and supervisors and employees that can train other people. Why? It's important that they grow. Even if they are like they don't ever want to be managers, I've got to give them the ability to grow in other ways. It's important we get stagnant, we lose track, we lose focus. And if so, I want them to outgrow their position and find another one if our company can't grow in order to give it to them. Why? Because that matters. People are going to go back and say, for example, oh my God, I got all this experience at Walter's Hot Dogs when I was a kid. This is why I'm doing so well now. Why? That also leads to customers. That also leads to clients. That also leads to a good reputation that you're doing right for humans beyond just producing food for them. So... Um, Thank you, Gene. I appreciate your time. We're definitely definitely—I'm going to reach out to you. We're going to have to schedule a part three because we didn't even actually get through. Like, I think we got through two of the questions on the list I sent you. <laughs> Maybe. And so we'll have to go back and do that. But will you tell everyone where they can find you online, um, how they can get a hold of you if they want to book a food truck, um, so on and so forth?
1: Absolutely. So, again, Justin, thank you again for the opportunity. It was a great conversation. So I'm definitely looking forward to next time around. Uh but you can find first off Walters Hot Dogs Instagram or Facebook at Walters Hot Dogs. Uh you can find myself on Instagram at Gene Christian. Um Walters is in Mamarinick, New York, in White Plains, New York. You can book our food trucks um through just emailing truck at Waltershotdogs.com or you can find everything about Walters at Waltershotdogs.com. Uh you can purchase uh our hot dog kits on goldbelly.com with free shipping. Um, There's a lot of cool promotions coming up for the summer uh, between Fourth of July and and uh, Labor Day weekend. So, uh, if you haven't tried Walters and and you're you're not visiting the tri-state area anytime soon, it's a great way to try it as well. So, again, I appreciate it and uh, I welcome any any feedback and uh, please feel free to reach out.
0: Awesome, thank you, dude, and uh, everyone in the audience. Thank you guys for listening in. I appreciate all you guys. I love you guys. All the entrepreneurs out there have been on the show taking their time uh sharing their knowledge to grow the world and give away what they've been given uh so you know we, growing forward means giving back and um I appreciate you guys and I love you guys and I can see that it's making impact in the world you know we're in over 135 countries now you know and I said it on previous episodes like we've gone into Iran and Syria recently which just blows my mind and a very rapid rate And uh, and going into other countries and downloads just seem to be going through the roof, which means we are making impact. We're we're spreading freedom. We're spreading liberty. We're spreading independence, especially financially, uh, and our family legacies also. Independence in our legacies, our freedom in our legacies, also not just freedom in terms of our human rights and our ability to be entrepreneurs and make our own decisions and uh, be in control of our destinies, if you will. So... I appreciate all of it. I love you guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. You can find us on Instagram at just the food entrepreneurs, and you can find us on Spotify along with all the other shows we do. Uh, just type in Bizarro, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, and you'll find all four of those uh, shows that I do personally. And uh, hopefully you guys are listening in. And, again, thank you guys for sharing the episodes. If you like the entrepreneurs stuff on here and you're a fan of Walter's Hot Dog, make an effort, share the episode. We do this for free. The entrepreneurs come on here for free to give away knowledge and support their businesses. We do this, you know, to give back here at the studio, you know, here at Better with Bacon Fat Studios. We're doing this to give back, you know, and, you know, we have the support that we do from our partners because we are being generous. We are trying to grow the world on food because, You know, For me to be a great food entrepreneur and me to have great food businesses, it means I got to have other people out there growing the food industry as well and the beverage industry across the board. It's important. The farmers, the everything. I will support everyone forever. And I don't, you know, anyone who's out there, I'm going to anchor this last point. I support to an endless rate, okay? And obviously not most of it's never, you know, never comes back to me, okay? It's not why I do it. I do it because I believe in the food industry. I believe in growing the humans around me. I believe in helping food entrepreneurs grow their businesses and grow themselves so they can have legacies and they can make impact and they can make this world a better place through food because I hate to break it to everyone, but food is the answer. Okay, It's the answer to save our planet. It's the answer to bring humanity back to reality. It's the answer that brings us all together in happiness. We, we commune around food always. We celebrate around food always. We break bread around people and new people we meet always. So just leave that in your mind for a little bit. Let it rattle around, guys, and really think about the impact we have in food that we have when we consume food, that we have when we're buying food and the choices we make, the entrepreneurs we support, the farmers we support, the stores we support. It matters big time more than you will ever know. And we all eat some three, at least three meals a day plus snacks, and none of us make a conscious decision anymore. It's just how fast, what can I eat, where do you want to go, what do I like, which is all great. But we're missing the fact of supporting the right businesses for the right core values, like I'm talking about, or we talked about today with Walter's Hot Dogs. So thank you again, Gene. Thank you, everyone. And we're out.
1: My pleasure. Thanks again, Justin.